Hi, I'm Matt Rozu, Dean of the Sigma Dwight School of Business at Susquehanna University. And I'm Jadrian Wooten, and I'm a collegiate associate professor uh, at Virginia Tech. Uh, we're both uh, economics professors, and we're trying something new. We're thinking about doing a podcast or a regular series. Uh, the idea is, um, you know, just discuss current issues. We'll, we'll probably agree some of the time, disagree some of the time. The other part of it is to uh, discuss this over a beer. So I have a, a Peak 15 cold IPA from Evergreen today. Jadrian, I don't know what you have. So since I just moved to Virginia Tech, I felt it was very appropriate that I have a Hardywood Fightin' Hokies. Uh, it is a, it's a lager, um, but it is a beer that is an actual like official collaboration with the university. The food science department like contributes to it. So when you buy a Fightin' Hokie beer, you also uh, contribute money back to scholarships at Virginia Tech. So I figured that was a, a good way to kick it off since I just started. You win, you win the beer <laughs> one. And that's that's going to be tough to one up, I think, in a future if we do this again. Susquehanna doesn't have a, a beer scholarship that you can contribute. We don't. It's it's a good idea. You know, we're a private college. We're always looking for good new ways to make to raise money. Um, or not raise money, but like, what will students come to do? And so, hey, selling, uh, starting a brewery. Uh, it's actually not a bad beer either. So I'm going to go ahead and pour it so that way I can. Get ready yeah. for our half hour together or 20 minutes or however yeah, long gonna, this takes. I am going to do the same because, uh, well, I'm sure the beer will be delicious. Beer out of a can is never as delicious as out of a glass. But Maybe the, that, should be a, that should be a future future talk, right? Is which, uh, which one gives a higher utility? Why is it? Why is it? So the general idea, the general format, oh, virtual cheers here. So uh, the general format of um, what we're thinking of for this one. And then if we move in the future is I'm going to talk a little bit about um, some scholarly articles. Sometimes they'll be current. Today's won't be. Uh, a little bit about uh, an economics topic. And also then we uh, want to relate, we both are into pop culture and economics and want to raise one kind of current situation we're thinking about and where pop culture shows up in economics. And we'll start with an explanation of uh, economic concept that we'll discuss, but it also frames a little bit on why we're doing this, why we're trying this, uh, which is the idea of opportunity costs. So, Jadrian, I'm guessing most people who are tuning into the two of us may know, but uh, for for those who don't, or for students who found us, uh, you want to give give the definition here for us. I'll give you my definition. So maybe this is where our first disagreement will come from is maybe we'll disagree on what the definition is. <laughs> uh, so I always present opportunity costs as it's the value of the next best alternative, right? What else could we be doing with our time? Uh, we're spending our time together drinking beer and talking about economics. What's the next best thing that we could be doing? That would be our opportunity costs. Uh, so for me, I think like anytime people ask me what's my favorite economic concept or I think the most important concept, I actually think it's opportunity cost. That's always the one that I pick as my favorite one. So I don't know if you have a different one, but mine is opportunity cost. That's a good question. I First of all, I, I think your definition's about what I would be. What's the value of the next best alternative, right? Um, what are you giving up to get something? Sometimes it's monetary. Sometimes it's non-monetary. Sometimes it's a combination of, of both. So I, I, no, I, I, I agree with you. 
what would be my favorite concept to cover uh, off the top? I probably should have thought of this a little bit more or know this. Uh, maybe the next time we talk, I'll have a good idea of what is my favorite. No, I, I do love opportunity cost. I think that's always a fun one to, to talk about. In general, I think my favorite topics to teach are the ones where students don't really know where's what's coming and there's a real aha mm. moment and opportunity cost i think does does that some of the time if if you're relating the cost it's not just monetary especially what what would be the the topic that you teach that has like the biggest aha moment so i i think i think i know mine that like where students are just like whoa it, it's not enough i guess it's kind of, i think i can relate almost anything back to opportunity cost i think i know mine but what what's yours that you teach that students are just like blown away? Um, well, I think a lot would go incentive. So I don't know of a topic. I remember the biggest visual reaction I ever got um, was explaining how the way colleges are set up with all you can eat buffets. And we we're talking about incentives. We we're talking about, so this is thinking on the margins and how thinking on the margins is valuable. And I was saying, look, so you all go to a lunch and you've prepaid, and so you're going into a buffet. You should be eating until the marginal benefit of the last thing you eat equals the marginal cost. And the, the marginal monetary cost is zero. If you were going to a restaurant and you were paying $2 per item, you should be eating until the marginal non-monetary cost has to be above, or I'm sorry, the, the marginal non-monetary benefit has to exceed $2. Therefore, you should be eating more here. Mm -hmm. And you hear about the freshman 15. Well, part of it might be the fact that everybody's on a cafeteria plan. And I, I, I'll <laughs> never remember, uh, one student, uh, Adam, a great, great student, and just says, I can't like the way I'm looking at the world has completely changed. Um, that, that's one reaction. I don't know if that's the the one where I always get the most visual reaction. But, you know, relating marginal analysis and it jumped out at somebody as something. Wow, this really helped explain the world in a way I had never imagined. I think for me, for me, so I'm, I'm going to say what I think is the biggest aha moment, but I don't necessarily think it's like related to a concept. It's always like when I talk about game theory or right, showing the golden balls clip of just people are like, oh my God, they stole from each other. <laughs> you guys do this, you do this to each other all the time. Like you cut each other off on the sidewalk or like you do this. So like, that's a big aha moment, but I don't know that it's the concept that makes them go aha. Yeah. I think the one where they really start to like, you can see like the wheels turning is when I start talking about negative externalities and why people do things that are annoying or bother people. And this idea that like they're not taking into account that they're bothering the person behind them while sure. they're walking and playing on their phone. And so I kind of talk about this idea of like the individual doesn't care. They do more than what they're supposed to. And I was like, that's why they're annoying. And like, you can see the gears turning and they're like, oh, that's why my roommate stays up till two o'clock in the morning. They don't care about me. And I'm like, I feel like you already knew this. Like, they didn't like really, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Didn't have a, they didn't have a word for it. No, they're not paying the cost for their act, the total cost of their actions. And we have been recording, you know, we've we've now done a grand total of 10 minutes of recording and we're already way off topic. So that's okay. So we can go back to right, that's our opportunity cost. Yeah, yeah. Opportunity, opportunity cost. So what um part of it, the opportunity cost is of this exact top moment in time, right? The time we're recording, which I mean, for me, I would probably be upstairs answering emails, or maybe I'd be enjoying a beer talking to family at this exact mm -hmm. moment. Um but you know there's more than that right we spent some time 
we spent other time, we spent some time talking through, should we do this? Mm-hmm. We, we plotted out a little bit about, okay, what will we talk about tonight? Not in great detail, uh, just a short outline. As you can tell, for those listening can tell, right? We got off track pretty quickly we, <laughs> on this. I think that's going to happen a lot. Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> um, but, and then, then there will be some time post-production, I guess, mm-hmm. editing this down and getting this live and then promoting. So that, that'll take a little bit of time. What, um, for me, you know, I, I think we, we thought carefully about even doing this first one. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a dean now, I'm a professor, I teach less. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not really paid to do a podcast, right? That's not yeah, part sure. of my job description. However, I did think in the terms of part of my part of my job description is alumni outreach. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, this will go up. If we do no more, this will be up. And I assume some alumni will see it. And, you know, it's a little bit of outreach. More people, I won't be interacting with them, but they'll see me and they'll hear me talking and teaching and hopefully they'll have a positive impression. Yeah. But, um, but no, there's, there's an app, there's definitely a cost. And then the question we'd have to come up with is, are the benefits, will they exceed the costs? Well, you know, what I think is really interesting, and I think about this whenever I teach too, because this is always the hardest part, we jump right to the equilibrium. And we say, hey, you know, you don't do it if the marginal cost is greater than the marginal benefit. Uh, Except, you know, in the beginning, the costs are going to be negative, right? Like, we're not going to get the benefit for the first couple episodes, because, right, people don't know about it, they have to learn about it. And so I think even in that sense, like, you start to get to see kind of that differences between when we think about like what we call our definitions, our formal outcomes, that final piece is like, that's not true everywhere. Uh, it's kind of right at, right, like you said, at the margin, at the end, when you're thinking about another episode, uh, I think that's really where it, this is a really good opportunity to think about like what we, what we teach students is very different than necessarily what's happening every single time, but like it will kick in eventually. So for me, right, opportunity cost, I think, so I'm a director of undergraduate studies, uh, my focus is, right, how do I get the Virginia Tech program to be the best undergrad econ program uh, in the state and in the country? And how do we get people excited about economics? And I think one way to do that is kind of talking about economics in a less academic form. I think for too many people, economics is about finance and the stock market and bonds and trade. It's about the people you see on the news talking about recessions and inflation and unemployment. And I think I really, I wish people knew more about economics I, I, and like yeah. this way of thinking. And so I think to me, this, it works in outreach in a sense of like, you know, maybe students will hear about it. Students will get involved. Students will like it. But I also think about it in the sense of, you know, can there be a greater good that we can provide, not just to our students, not just to alumni, but to just the population yeah. who's interested in learning about how economists think about things, disagree about things. I think that's the hardest thing about economics is, so we're in a college of science. Students are always really confused. Like, why is econ a science? And I always joke that physics and engineering and chemistry, they have it easy, right? Because molecules and particles don't talk to each other. They don't have feelings. So they know exactly what's going to happen. For us, like, it's hard. And so I think it's really fun to kind of to talk to somebody about that and to show that economics is about life, but that economists disagree about things. And it doesn't mean that one of us is right and one of us is wrong. It's just we have different opinions about what's the best way to go forward. And yeah, we have different definitions about what's best, which is, I think was going to be fun too. Yeah. yeah, No, I mean, you raise a good point. Um, Part of it is 
you know, in terms of other benefits, I mean, I mentioned a couple possible benefits. I mean, the opportunity cost is clear. It's time and mm -hmm. time is sparse. And it, whether it's time, kind of personal time, a little bit less time relaxing and watching the World Cup highlights. Uh, we're <laughs> recording this the day uh, the U.S. just beat uh, Iran to advance to yeah. the round of 16. Um, or, um, you know, or or it's, you know, other work things I could be doing, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, most of those have to get done anyway. So it's, <laughs> it's but then the, the benefit, the benefit of um, the individuals who see it, that's outreach. That's the benefit, as you say, for Virginia mm -hmm. Tech or for me, for Susquehanna, which for those watching who don't know, I guess, I think everybody would know where Virginia Tech is. I'll mention Susquehanna. Uh, we're a private liberal arts uh, university in central Pennsylvania. Um, economics department is ranked number 29th in the liberal arts universities, uh, according to the, I believe it's the St. Louis Fed Federal Reserve. So I've got to tout that. Mm -hmm. And uh, business school, I'm, I'm dean of the business school. A couple of things about our business school where AACSB accredited in a private liberal arts environment, which is rare. There are literally nine of us in the world. And uh, we're, at least to our, my knowledge, the only business school that guarantees students an internship in a foreign country. So a little bit about Susquehanna for those who are wondering, what in the world is that word you're saying? If you're <laughs> familiar with Pennsylvania, you'll know there's a Susquehanna River as well. And we're yeah. right on the river. But um, In Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania. So you got to see where Grove. it's at too. That way Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, an hour north of Harrisburg, a little bit less than that, um, about a little more than an hour uh, east of State College. And Jadrian made the visit a few times when um, when he was out at Penn State and uh, three hours from New York, Washington and two and a half from Baltimore and Philly and Blacksburg. I've never actually been to Blacksburg. Where in the state is Blacksburg for those of us who won't know? So Virginia Tech is in Virginia, uh, Southwest Virginia. So I like to say we're in the tail of Virginia. Uh, we're actually not that far away from West Virginia. It's a half hour. I, I should probably know that answer very, I've only lived here for four months, but, uh, but it's close to West Virginia, but it's down that bottom tail, kind of near Tennessee, a couple hours away from North Carolina, um, five hours away from DC. So we're actually, I'm further away from DC than I was before. Uh, so Blacksburg, relatively small town. Um, you know, it's, it's a town along an interstate. So, or I guess off an interstate by 10 minutes. So it's got all the the typical interstate fare, which is in within ten minutes of where we're at. But it's a, a nice, small, traditional college campus is probably the best way to describe it. So Virginia Tech okay. is a land grant university, but um, you know that college campus feel is what Blacksburg is. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I see the benefit. I definitely think that there is a huge value to society for increased economic literacy. So I, I completely agree. In terms of kind of service to the world, and why do why do you get a doctorate? Well, we loved economics, and we would like to teach others. And one way of teaching is in the classroom. I'm not doing as much classroom teaching anymore. I do teach from time to time, um, but the other is teaching the public. And hopefully, mm -hmm. through our discussions and disagreements, y'all you know y'all might learn a little bit. And if you agree or disagree, chime in the comments. And also, I mean, I think for this first one. If you find this entertaining and educational and want us to do more, please let us know. I think we're going to evaluate whether to make this a little bit more regular based on the feedback. Mm -hmm. we so. I'm always happy to talk to you more regularly, Matt. That's that's, awesome. the, that's the easy part. It's like worst case scenario. I just get to talk to you for a little we bit. We get to talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was one time I did a recording um, in... Um, I thought I was recording something and it turned out it was muted and I'm like, okay, well, at least I had a nice conversation with the person. Yeah. So. 
So no, so opportunity costs, what are we giving up? Um, the only reason we're doing this is we think there's at least the potential in the long run of potentially significant benefits, right? I mean, you can dream it would be big, but if a modest number of people start to listen and follow and engage, I would view that as a huge success. And if it's one time, well, then we had a nice talk and we enjoyed a beer. And it's not a It'll be more than one time. I, I, I'm I think, confident it's more than one, yeah. less than infinity, right? It's less somewhere than. somewhere in there. Somewhere in between. Okay. That's there. Um, we Now we just have to figure out exactly rounding that down a little bit. Now, so. Yeah. Anything else on opportunity costs before we go on to our uh, discussion of the economics literature? I don't think so. I'm going to say opportunity cost is my favorite, favorite concept. So I'm excited to talk about this. I think we'll talk about it a lot over the sure. next couple of podcasts, next couple episodes. Uh, but it is, it's definitely one of my favorite ones. So I'm excited that we're starting with that. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, opportunity costs, a big item that, you know, people start to spend a lot of their time thinking about is, uh, you know, for those who celebrate, uh, for those who celebrate Christmas, right, the Christmas season can take a lot of time. And there's a fair amount of economics literature on does the practice of buying Christmas presents create what economists call a dead weight loss? Which I suppose before we go on, Jadrian, you want to give the term, uh, the explanation? I'll, I'll give mine. So I think yeah, this yeah. is always a fun one, right? So dead weight loss. Uh, the way that I present it, and generally speaking, right, it's the inefficiencies of a market and measuring uh, the lost value that we get out of trading with one another or not trading with one another. Uh, so I tend to think about it in the sense of, especially in this case, is like, what are we giving up when we buy gifts for each other, go out and buy things, right? The value of that time and that money, could it be used for something else? Yeah. Uh, so I know there's a lot of different definitions, but I tend to go with the it's a loss of value from either doing too much or not doing enough of something. Yeah, I would say, I mean, so there's a competitive market equilibrium that gives people what economists will call surplus, right? Consumer surplus or producer surplus. And if the right competitive conditions are met, usually markets do a pretty good job of maximizing or pretty close to maximizing. So often in principles classes, the discussion on where do you have a deadweight loss, it occurs when there's a price floor, a price ceiling, a tax, or a monopoly. I think those are the four that I will go I, So I also do quotas. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I, do, yep. I do production quotas and import quotas. So I teach international trade in my principles course. Okay. And externalities. Externalities can, can create a deadweight loss. Externalities yeah. create a deadweight loss. Uh, I teach less macro. So yeah, it does come up when yeah. I teach micro and it's been five years since I've taught micro, which is <laughs> way too long. Uh, macro is, uh, I teach a little bit more rarely, but you're right, it, mm -hmm. it come up with quotas. So this is different though, because it's not a government thing that's mm -hmm. coming in here. So a uh, paper by, I'm um, going to get the name, I believe it's Waldfogel. I'm going to get the name. I'm going to bring up the article. So I don't butcher so his name. Yeah, I think it's German. So like we could probably... I think he's, a, he's an American economist, but I think it's got that kind of German feel to it. So I think yeah. the safe answer is Waldfogel. Joel, it, it might be a V type feeling. Joel Waldfogel. Um, yeah. And if we're mispronouncing it, Joel, and you're listening, well, first, <laughs> thanks for listening, Joel. I uh, yes. appreciate it. Uh, I think it'd be awesome. Uh, we apologize if we're mispronouncing it, but uh, came out with a paper in the American Economic Review, which if it's not the top journal, it's it's certainly one of the very top journals estimating that the process of giving Christmas presents, because, well, first, the process, 
creates a deadweight loss. And his rationale, I'll try to summarize without kind of, you know, going through the exact, you know, without reading you the paper, right? We'll, we'll put a link <laughs> for those who are listening or watching, um, is if somebody has cash on their own, they're going to spend that cash in the way that maximizes their happiness. So if somebody else buys you something and they spent $20 on it, most of the time, it won't be exactly what you would have spent $20 on. Therefore, you have lost some surplus, and that lost surplus is deadweight loss. Is that a good one-paragraph summary of Wald Fogel's work? Yeah, I think you hit that pretty well, right? Like, the idea is we know ourselves better, right? Like, I know myself better than you know me. Uh, so, I, you know, if you gave me 20 bucks, I know exactly what I want. You might think you know what I want. Uh, but I might not value it the same way. Yeah, I think he did a good job. Yeah. And so he looked at, he did a study with Yale undergraduates and uh, the estimate, what he puts in the paper is between the gift giving and the holidays destroys between 10 to 10% to a third of the value of gifts, which is pretty significant. Um, probably should have done the research to find the exact amount people spend on gifts today. But at the time of the writing of this article, which was in the 90s, uh, so a lot of this debate happened a long time ago, it was 40 billion. Uh, I can see Jadrian typing away right now, looking up, look. uh, uh, looking up the total, the amount. But 40 billion then, I mean, with inflation, that's all would almost be double even from the early 90s to today. I thought I could find it really quickly. So okay. maybe this is something we drop in the... Drop in the description as well. So we I'm drop in the that. description. Are those yeah. watching the video? We might flash the number across the screen for you, but it, it's a significant I, amount. Yeah, I love the National Retail Federation. So they collect so much cool data about how much people are spending and stuff like that. So that was my go-to place to try to look it up, but I didn't find it as fast as I thought I could. So, but it's a significant amount. And so, and the idea is somewhat straightforward, right? And I, I mean... I'm sure you've received gifts that are, um, you know, you're like, okay, what am I going to do with this particular gift? Uh, I, I probably don't want to mention what it is on air, but I think about that as being a professor. So every now and then we get those end of year gifts from students and some of them are fine. I'm like, oh, this is a nice surprise. Yeah. Um, but then other times I'm like, what am I going to do with this? I, where am I going to put this? Yeah. I, 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 I remember at the wedding and, you know, my, a long time ago, um, gosh, almost 25 years, opening presents in front of people. And I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, so you're supposed to like act excited and saying, oh, great, another bowl. I can't wait to put my chips in there. Right. I mean, like. Well, so let's con let's convert your number real quick. Right. Because I think a lot of times we have a hard time with percentages. So like what is destroying 10 to 30 percent of value? So if you, the idea, like I like to change it to dollars. So I think it makes it super easy. Um, if you were to get a gift that somebody spent $20 on, like if I was going to give you a yep. $20 gift, destroying 10% of it means that essentially you would have only paid $18 for it. Correct. Or if we're going to destroy it all the way up to 30%, uh, you would have paid $14 14. Yep. for it. Right. And so I think sometimes when we hear 10 to 30%, like when we hear, when we hear percentages, I always feel like if it's under 50%, people are like, that's not that bad, right? Oh, 10% of value is not that big big of a deal. But I think when we convert it to dollars, that's where we start to really realize like, oh, that actually is a yeah. pretty significant amount that a $20 gift is actually only worth 18, 14 to $18 yeah. to the person yeah. who receives it. 
Yeah, and I mean, and you're not getting one gift, right? I mean, mm-hmm. right. And then you multiply by all your gifts, right? Like if yeah. you're if you're getting that heavy of a discount, especially you know if you're if you're super popular, I don't get that many gifts, maybe. Uh, so maybe it's not as big of a deal to me, but like probably like maybe a teenager. Teenagers get lots of gifts yeah. from grandparents and relatives and parents. Uh, that that value adds up really quickly. So if yeah, if an average person gets two hundred dollars in gifts, um, and that's probably that. Um, well, okay, let's say it's twenty percent. That's kind of in the middle. Yeah, forty bucks a person times three hundred and thirty mm-hmm. million Americans. That's that's a big number. Um, yeah, and so so the. That's that's the rationale. So first, th- there have been others that have come out and countered that. So when you mm-hmm. first heard, like, do you, I mean, when before we talked about this, if somebody said, yes, Christmas has a dead weight loss, would your response have been yes or no? I can tell you what mine would have been if you want me to go <laughs> first, but. No, I'll go first. So I think, so I'm a very different, I've grown up a lot. Um, I think if you asked me 20 years ago, let me think of how old I am. Uh, yes, me 15 years ago, right? Fresh econ major, just learning about this stuff. I would have been like, yeah, that's a waste. That's awful. Get rid of it. Um, you know, the more I think about it now, the more I lean into it's not that big of a deal. So I kind of, I think I've moved away from this being a big deal, right? So I think there's losses, right? Like I definitely, I don't ignore the discount of 10 to 20%. Like I, I don't discount that at all. Um, and I have received gifts I don't like. Absolutely. I would much rather prefer cash. Absolutely. <laughs> like I, like I like write check boxes. I agree with all that stuff. Um, I think there's better alternatives. However, you know, I, the more I think about it, I think what tends to get lost in this discussion is there are non-monetary benefits of receiving a gift that we tend to ignore <laughs> of giving and receiving, right? So like, I, I tend not to like gifts. I tend to prefer, like, just don't give me anything because I don't want to go back and forth over and over. But, you know, I like, it actually means a lot to me. Like when a student goes out of their way to get me a gift, even like if it's food that I'm not going to eat, like the, the value of them taking time, because I know they took time to do it, yeah, yeah. actually does mean a lot to me, even though like if they gave me, they gave me 20 bucks, I'd feel really uncomfortable. Uh, like I would feel very I yeah, just, yeah. That just didn't go in. You you may not even be able to take that legally, right? right? Yeah. Right. Like I've had a, I've had students who do like honor theses. They'll give me like a gift card, and I'm like, oh god, I don't know if I could take this. Yeah. So like, you know, I think that's I think that's the problem, right? Is that we tend to ignore these other. We tend to ignore feelings, and economists are really bad at valuing feelings. So I think if you asked me a long time ago, I'd be I'd say gifts are stupid. Don't give gifts. Give cash. The more I do, the more I've kind of grown up. I think. The more I really value like something personal, like you're, yeah. like when your kids give you a, like a handmade turkey that says "We love you, Dad," like yeah. that's worth so much to you. And we wouldn't say that's dumb. He should give you a dollar. Yeah, you should have spent your time working and paid me should money. Your, right, yeah. go go sell some lemonade and give me the cash. Yeah. So that's where I, I think I've changed. I think if you asked me 15 years ago, I would have been cynical. As I've grown up, I I don't hate it as much. I. I still probably am cynical in general, uh, but the on this, I, I actually completely disagree that there's a dead weight loss. Um, and, okay. and I think part of it, it's the reasons you exactly explained. When you receive something, there can be an extra value because you received it. And sometimes that extra value could be enormous and way more than the value. 
Speaking yeah. of, I mentioned wedding gifts. We received this um, metal fish. And it's tough to describe other than imagine a rectangular kind of platter that's thick metal and it's in the shape of a fish. Mm-hmm. And I got it and I'm like, what in the, I mean, I, I got it at the wedding and we were opening it in front of people. And I, I, at first I literally thought it was something I was supposed to hang on the wall. Like, I didn't know. I mean, I'm like, is this art? I, I didn't say it. I was thinking it was art. And um, we end up, that's the plate we use. Every time I go, gri- every time I grill, I put the mm-hmm. meats on that afterwards. That's like for 20 years. I've done yeah. that. And we think about the fact that, that we got that at our wedding. That was a, that was mm-hmm. a wedding present. I mean, the value of that is many multiples of whatever it was. And that'll happen on occasion. And then other times it's not multiples, but it's, oh, they went out of the way to think about buying me this whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's well, so that. Think, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I was gonna say, I think one of the problems when we think about deadweight loss, the way I think it's often presented is it's deadweight loss for an individual. But realistically, we're supposed to be thinking about deadweight loss of the collective, yeah. right? And while one person may not get the same value, the person giving the gift may get extra value Correct. that takes over the losses. And so like we can have a net positive. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, sometimes I like, I like buying gifts that are different and somebody didn't think of. I, I find value mm-hmm. in that. But so the follow-up to this paper, this paper had comments to it. Mm-hmm. And one of them, um, I'll give a shout out. Uh, I haven't even talked, haven't talked to him for a few years, but Jason Shogren wrote one with John List. Um, Jason uh, Shogren was at Iowa State just before I got there, but he agreed to kind of help with my dissertation because I did experimental auction work. And they wrote a comment, they did auctions where they were looking to um, buy back gifts and what the Mm -hmm. price would be. And so auctions have, the nice part about a well-designed auction is it can accurately assess values. And they found that it would have actually taken more than the retail price to buy it back. Mm-hmm. from most individuals. So they, they kind of found the counter result once you were dealing with actual, you know, actual incentives. And I, I mean, how much is it really a, a loss overall? Or is it a mm-hmm. gain? Like how much, what is the value to the recipient of the warm feelings for getting a gift? I mean, in many ways, it's a measurement question, but some economists, yeah. including List and Shogren, have found it's, the emotional value of getting the gift exceeded the fact that, okay, it wouldn't have been the exact thing you picked out. Well, and you know, it's, it's very similar, I think to, I don't know if it's Ariely who did it, but the, the kind of classic, you get a coffee, they give you a coffee mug, how much you willing to sell it for, right? Like yeah, once yeah. it's yours, your value and your estimation of what it's worth changes. And so what, like, if I'm giving you a gift and you're not going to pay that much, once you have it, doesn't mean that Correct. you're going to immediately sell it back. Correct. Yeah. And I mean, the um, the one where I just think like the willingness to pay, willingness to accept disparity, where we really saw that to me recently is when Taylor Swift concert tickets went on sale. <laughs> I mean, so there are people who picked them up for, you know, whatever, $100 plus whatever outrageous fee Ticketmaster charges. Maybe that's a future episode. To, I, I don't fully understand all of Ticketmaster I, uh... myself either, but, um, you know, but they maybe it was 150 bucks total and somebody will give them nine hundred dollars for that exact ticket mm-hmm. they wouldn't have paid 500 for it but they're not yeah, going yeah. to accept 900 for it yeah. uh you know the you know that the fact that you own it there's the extra value associated but well so i'll chime in real quick because i think this is important to set a precedent in our first uh our first episode i guess we would call this an episode yeah. uh matt and i did not talk about our views before this podcast 
Uh, and so I think going forward, we should actually make sure that we don't share our views on how we feel about these so that it's a kind of a nice surprise uh, for both for both yeah. of us of whether we I agree. agree with each other or not. Yeah, it makes it, a, I think, I agree. I think that'll make it a little bit more fun to, yeah. to go through. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I thought you were going to hate Christmas. I really <laughs> did. No, I actually, no. like when I was thinking, I was like, I was like okay, I got to get ready to fight Matt. Uh, how am I going to fight right. back? He's going to hate trade. He's going to hate gifts. He's going to fight me on this. I was ready to fight you. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm really, I'm really glad that I don't have to. No, I, no. I mean, the warm value has value, right? Like the warm right. feeling of getting it, and and you're also right. A lot of that analysis ignored the value for giving the gift mm-hmm. itself. And, yeah, and, that, and there are people who love that, who just absolutely yeah. love shopping for gifts, wrapping it. Like, yeah. they do not see it as a cost. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think a lot of this it goes back to opportunity cost, right? Like the idea behind it is, what else could they have done? if they didn't go shopping for the gift, if they didn't wrap the gift, if they didn't yeah. wait for the gift, right? It's all framed in this idea of opportunity costs. And we just assume that there's something else that they could be doing. And I think you kind of brought it up earlier when you talked about like, what's the opportunity cost of this podcast? It's not really work. Like you and I don't, we don't have hourly jobs. We're not going to go work at Chipotle for an hour and get 12 bucks. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not a, that's really not our, our next best alternative. Yeah. And so like we make these assumptions about what people are doing with their time in terms of shopping and wrapping and giving, but like realistically for a lot of people, like they, you know, they might have a salary job or they may be a stay at home uh, individual who like their yeah. next best alternative is reading a book, going for a walk, some other sort of leisure activity. And so yeah. to them, this is actually the best thing that they could be doing with their time. Yeah. And I think we tend to forget that like people generally know what they want. Um, I I think that's a good point on this discussion. And I think in a lot of discussions, um, because there are a number of economists who have said, look, this, you know, how inefficient is all of this gift giving, Um, you know, anytime you're trying to claim that people who are making their own private decisions (laughs) and it's inefficient, you're you're running, you know, this is the, um, you know, pretty big free market person, right? Like they're making their own choices on this. Is it how it's, I need a lot of evidence and a lot of convincing um, in order to tell me that they're really making, you know, that that's really Mm -hmm. inefficient. Right. They may not have given the other person the value that they were expecting, um, but it it, it kind of ignores the fact that the other person's getting value out of it. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I wrapped just because it was funny. So it was um, Buffalo Wild Wings. Our group went there. They had an outdoor patio. So our group wasn't comfortable meeting indoors with COVID, Mm -hmm. but we would go to at the outdoor patio at Buffalo Wild Wings, even when it was cold, um, you know, and we'd bundle up because we wanted to hang out together. It was our group that we yeah. did trivia most uh, weeks before the pandemic. And um, I came home, they had this amazing deal on gift cards where they give you a bunch of bonus cards mm-hmm. and then they give you a little um, contain, like metal container that could hold beers and they threw a few mm-hmm. signs in there and more bonus cards and I, so I, I actually think I bought two of them separately. I was like, you got to stop this. But, you know, I mean, it was basically free money and I'm an economist yeah. and I'm going to take the free money. Well, then I, you know, she we'd had a conversation about it and I went back and I actually bought another one and then I wrapped it and put it under the tree mm-hmm. and I put it to me because I thought yeah. about addressing it to my wife's name. But then I opened the gift and it was there and I'm like, this is just amazing. What a great gift. I just got the look from the rest of the family. You know, like that, that moment, right? Yeah. 
they still laugh about that. They think that mm-hmm. was really funny, right? Like there, there's value in those things. So anyway. I love those promotions. Um, so there was a Panera in my office building previously. Uh, and every year they would run the little promotion, right? Like buy $20, get $5. I don't remember the exact rate, but something yeah. like that, right? Buy 20, yeah. get five, buy 25, get five. And I was like, oh my God, this Panera is in my building. This is golden. I went down there and I was like, and, and you know, I checked, right? I'm a good economist. I'm like, is it like, do I get it for each $20 that I'm spending? Yep. Is it like anything more? And they go, no, it's each 20. And I go, oh, fantastic. Give me $200 worth of gift cards, please. And like, you can see their eyes where they're like, what, why? And yeah. I was like, look, I work in this building. I come down here every day to get drinks and bakery items. Like I will spend this money. Like it doesn't matter. Um, so they rung me up for $200 worth of gift cards. And I got my $50 yeah. worth of, they gave me 10 $5 gift cards. So before 2021, it was always just a $5 gift card. I don't know if you know that they changed this. I found out that they changed it after I swiped my card. But recently, it's now $5 gift cards that you could only use between the month in the month of January. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which I don't know if anybody picked that up. I was at a university and universities are closed for the first half of oh, January. No. Yeah. So I had like a two week window to spend $50. And it's one, um, is it what's one per time usually on those, right? It's yeah, one well, yeah, per, it was like a five, yeah, it was like a five dollar for the five dollars. Yeah, you can't yeah. use like twenty-five dollars at yeah. once of those five dollars. Yeah. yeah. And so it was a mess. And so I started, but I started giving them away to students. Uh, yeah. and so I, well, I, I I basically gave them as gifts. I was like, here's five dollars, you gotta use it in the next week. It's a free gift. Marzoni's does yeah. something similar, and I've yeah. bought an embarrassing number of gift <laughs> cards. I, I won't even say yeah. it on here because it puts the two hundred to shame. Um but <laughs> You know, I'm uh, always, so I, I want to buy more, right? Like I, I go in there going like, I, I could spend a thousand dollars over the next few years. Like in my mind, I'm like rational. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to use this. It's money. Uh, it's just, it's a store of value, right? I can go through the rules in my head. Um, but I don't, I didn't because I was terrified of losing it. Um, I was just oh, so part. scared that, right. Like if I put $500 on a Panera card, what then I'm going to lose that one card. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's no, I, I I love those promotions. So yeah. Uh, so we talked. Uh, Christmas is coming up. I I think I hope that you enjoyed the discussion and our veering <laughs> onto all the other topics. Final thing we wanted to close with is uh, because we both like pop culture. Uh, bring up something we've been thinking about with uh, pop culture recently. And so, Jadrian, what if anything you've been thinking about? So pop do you want pop, economics? Do you want pop culture, or I can give you pop culture related to our topic today? I can I can go either direction. That's a bonus point. I, I don't know okay, that I'll so, be able to do that. But. Well, I got to think about if I know pop culture other than what I what I was thinking. So I'm the director of the Economics Media Library. It's a great website online, econ.video. So I'll give myself a yep. shameless plug. Um, hundreds of clips about different economic concepts. Uh, if you're an economist or econ student or just econ person, please send me clips. I'm happy to take them. Um, but I'll give you, I'll give you two. So I'll give you one Christmas related since we're talking about the holidays, but I'll also give you one not Christmas related. That's my favorite opportunity cost. So maybe like for each of our concepts, I'll just highlight my favorite video from the website. So, uh, let me give you the, I'll give you my Christmas one first since we'll kind of, that'll be our kind of dovetail to the end. So my favorite Christmas episode, I actually do have a clip with Joel Walfogel. Uh, he was on an episode of Adam ruins everything or I don't know if it was an episode or if it was like a short on YouTube um, where he actually talks with Adam about dead weight loss uh, related to Christmas. So I actually have him summarizing uh, kind of his mm. paper. 
so that's a that's on the Econ Media Library. I think if you search Adam Ruins Everything, gift giving or Christmas, it'll pop yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite one that is about kind of gift exchange, opportunity cost, that sort of thing, is actually from the TV show Blackish. Did you ever watch that? I've seen some yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have, I actually, I should probably tell people this. I don't have cable. So I, I, I don't know if you're the same. Have you, you cut the cord or no? We have, uh, we, we have YouTube TV. You have so. everything. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty sad. Um, we're, yeah, we're that weird group where like, we're like, let's get rid of cable. And we have Disney Plus and Hulu and Amazon and Netflix and CBS. So like, we've got, a, if you add them all up, we have cable. You're doing um, okay. Yeah. We're doing the same thing. So uh, it was it was a TV show. Um, I don't remember the main characters. I'm not really good at because I, I don't watch that. We, I don't watch that much TV. It's hard for me to like name actors and stuff. Sure, sure. Um, but the episode is amazing because uh, kind of the general story. Uh, the dad's family comes. They're kind of annoying. There's kind of skipping Christmas and all sorts of stuff. And the scene is like the family in their closet exchanging gifts with one another. And the dad buys all of his kids. He has three kids. He buys them all what he thinks are really good gifts, like an iPhone. One of them's a goldfish. That's not always that great. But one of them's like a gift card. But what I love about that scene is it's actually this conversation that we were just having where uh, like the kid who gets the gift card, he's like, you gave me a gift that like is a daily chore and ends in heartbreak. Like this fish is going to die. Like what kind of gift is this? Um, and then the other one, I think my favorite part though, is one of the kids gets a gift card. I think it's to J crew, uh, but he gets a gift card and he goes, you took money. I could spend anywhere and turned it into money. I could only spend at one place. <laughs> and I was like, that is beautiful, right? Like yeah, that's yeah. what we were talking about is yep. like, if you're going to give somebody money, why give them money to one store? Just give them $200. Uh, so I love that scene because it kind of goes through like each part where they're like, why did you give me a gift card to J. Crew? Like this is pointless. So that's yeah. my favorite holiday related dead weight loss clip. Uh, but let me give you my favorite one about opportunity costs. I, okay. It's so dumb and I love it. I, it's going to mix your favorite one. So you, you kind of talked about marginal analysis. So I think it goes with this. Did you ever watch Super Troopers? I don't think I did. Okay. So I, I don't know when it came out, early 2000s probably. I was, I think I was in high school. It's definitely one of those like stoner movies that's just like real dumb, but real, I think it's the funniest movie ever. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about, like that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. genre of movie. So the story is about a bunch of police officers in Vermont, I think, um, Vermont or New Hampshire, somewhere up there, um, who are just, they're dumb cops. That's pretty much the whole, the whole shtick. Um, but there's one cop that's dumber than all of them. Uh, his name is Farva. Do you know what scene I'm talking about? I, I, Have I haven't seen this. Oh I like it. Yeah, I don't I'll send know. it to you after. It's great. Um, so just imagine just like a really dumb individual. So he is at the gas station pumping gas into his truck. Uh, and you see the little gas ticker. It's the old ones, right? So the, it's ticking up and it's yep, like yep. one gallon, two gallons, three gallons, four gallons. And it gets to like nine gallons, like 909 or something like that. And then the camera pans up and it says, free hot dog with a 10 gallon purchase. And then it's pans back down to the $9. And you see this dumb cop where he's sitting there going like, wait, I can get a free hot dog. So he takes the pump out of the thing, puts it in the garbage can oh. and just pump, pumps a gallon of gas into the garbage can. And then the scene cuts and he's walking out of the gas station eating a hot dog. I absolutely love it because it hits like both of those, like the two we've talked yeah. about. So marginal analysis, this idea of like, do I want the next item? 
right? So in his mind, he gets a hot dog. That's his marginal yep. benefit. The cost is one more gallon of gasoline. So I, ideally, he was weighing the cost of the gallon, which it shows you, but it's like really cheap because it's old uh, versus the benefits. So it's got that marginal analysis part. But then the other part I like is it talks about this idea of opportunity costs. It's like, that's not a free hot dog. He nope. paid for that. He could have done something else. Um, so I just, I love this scene. It's like a really short, like 45 second uh, scene that kind of hits both of those. Those are my favorite yeah. ones. No, that's good. And I, I came up with something and I think I, I in our prep, I kind of gave an idea of, to you what I might talk about, but I'm actually going to talk about something different because there's two clips, uh, speaking of shameless plugs. Um, so I have a site, Broadway Economics, and there's two songs I'm working on that are going on there that aren't on there yet. Maybe by the time you see this, they'll be on there that cover topics I haven't, I don't think are on there. So one is from Almost Famous the Musical is on Broadway. And my wife and I loved it. The critics did not love it. <laughs> uh, and I think the biggest criticism was it was so close to the movie that, you know, there were some issues. I saw the movie once 20 years ago. I kind of vaguely remembered it, but I thought it was good. But there's a song called No Friends that it's on Apple Music, if you've got Apple Music. And it's about a reporter who talks about how he's supposed to cover the story and not be friends with them. And I'm like, what a great illustration of the principal agent problem, mm -hmm. right? Because the you know principal agent problem, um, somebody hires you to do a job. You have preferences that don't exactly align with the principal's preferences, right? The principal wants you to write an objective story. Uh, you're there, you want to party with these rock stars and have fun and they're because they're fun and there's beautiful women hanging out with them, right? And uh, you want to be friends with them, but that's not what they're paying you for. And I just, I, I don't, I don't think I have a principal agent clip hmm. on that site. And I don't know that there's a lot of pop culture that does a great job illustrating the principal agent problem. So I was like, uh, so I, I was, way too excited about this one song that's going to go on there so that's one and the other one's and actually a really old song but i think it illustrates uh, option value which is something mm -hmm. you don't teach in principles very often but the idea that you know is um it's and it's from footloose the musical so the song's been around for a while but holding out for a hero okay and the person talks about ah. how right they you know okay if there's an option to remaining available for this person yeah. because they they could instead of getting whatever's out there they could actually get the hero uh options have value often they're referred thought of as in direct correlation with actual stock options which may not have value at the time but because you have the option to exercise this this at a you know buy the stock at a certain price at a later point in time or sell the stock at a certain price it has value mm -hmm. but even outside of just stock options if, if there is something that gives you an option to do something at a later point in time, it has value. And so these are two songs that hit topics I just don't have. And so I, I'm way too excited about these two songs. I like, yeah, I, I was I was searching the website. I don't, I don't have very many, I don't think I have any option values. I have a couple principal agent problems. Okay. Like, I mean, and like out of 600, I have like three. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like not many, I'm gonna say I don't have any option value i just searched it i got yeah. apollo 13 failure is not an option so it picked up the word <laughs> option out of that yeah yeah um so it's not it's not an option value but it just says the word option so 
So that's there's a bunch yeah. of other pop culture stuff, but I'll save those for the next episode. Oh yeah, we've got plenty of pop culture to yeah. talk about. I think that that's that's going to be the easy one. That will be the easy one. Well, well, Jadarine, it was nice, nice chatting. I mean, for us, this is just fun. Yeah. I think, but Matt, it's good. How much of your beer do you have left? I, have, I feel uh, like I, I saved it just for the end. Perfect. About that's the same. Beer. So cheers and and to everybody who was watching or listening, thank you. Uh, once again, it's our first time trying this. We'd love your feedback on ideas for episodes uh whether we should do it again if, if you say we should never do it again please be nice about it i guess <laughs> please We're just tell that to sad. somebody tell that to somebody else please don't leave that yeah in yeah right no, do, you want, do you want more definitions more research more media clips like we could talk i mean matt and i can talk forever yeah. so a lot of it is just we probably need your help to help us kind of narrow in on what we're going to talk about. Otherwise we're just going to blab for 45 minutes. That's probably true. That's probably <laughs> true. So with that, uh, take care everybody. And we will look forward as uh, Jadrian said, we're going to do at least one more. So we'll <laughs> see, uh, we'll see you the next, uh, next time we record.